Turn to Romans chapter 4 with me, please. You know, I kind of, feel, I kind of felt a little bit bad because I've, I'm thinking this morning that as we started off this year, we literally spent an entire year trying to understand what five words in the Bible say. When uh, Abraham was here, he did this amazing thing as a human being. Nobody had ever done this before. If you go over to the uh, 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, you kind of have God's photo album of people who have walked and lived and done things by faith. And Abraham is not the first person on that list. There was, you know, people like a, uh, you know, Abel and Enoch and these kind of guys that were <clears throat> chronologically in the list before Abraham was in the list. But when we take a look at the, imp the impact of a human being on the course of humanity, the first person really to do that was this fellow Abraham. And, you know, I think most of us know the story, just like we have, you know, Noah's story that is, you know, pretty much universally known, certainly in the, in the Christian of any world that would even have a partial uh, overlay of Christianity. Everybody knows the story of Noah. And everybody knows the story of Abraham, you know, didn't have a kid and then kind of went along for a hundred years and then had a child when he was a hundred years old. And uh, what Paul does is Paul, in the, in the fourth chapter of Romans, Paul begins to outline for us this amazing thing that Abraham did that transformed all of humanity. As you know, uh, the Ishmaelites came out of Abraham, the, the Hebrews came out of Abraham. Jesus came out of the Hebrews, and so, so Abraham then, what we have to be able to see is, because Christians really say that, we, you know, we, we've kind of divided things up in our religion, we've said, you know, we'll take Jesus, the Jews can take Abraham, but instead we have to realize this is all a chronological, it's one story that God is trying to tell us, and that story began, really began, even though there was Adam, and there was Noah, and there was these guys who were, you know, big dudes, really began with Abraham as God had the ability now to transform the world through this person, Abraham. Paul talking to us here in the book of Romans is about how did he do that? And we have to be able to understand what was going on inside the soul of this fellow Abraham as he was able to literally transform his future by taking a promise from God and doing something with that promise and being able to then see that promise in real life right in front of his eyes. He began his life as a nomadic person. Now, back in those days, nomads were, you know, nobody trusted them. Nobody did business with them. They had this weird thing that would go on. With they, we, we don't have that anymore. We wander all over the world. But in that day, this was a big problem. Abraham went from a nomadic person who wasn't even with his family anymore to the rich, one of the richest people in the area. He had you know, children, and he had hundreds of people in his home. He had all of these things going on, and he did that in a very particular way that Paul is going to begin to describe to us. The biggest miracle, the thing that he did, was he was able to hope against hope. And what we spent the entire year with, at least while you've had, you've had to endure me up here, is that we're going to figure out what does it mean on a human level to actually hope expect a future that is different than the past we have experienced. Everybody expects tomorrow to be like yesterday. That is a normal thing. Last time we were here, we were talking about how our memory actually works to make sure that we remember the experiences of the past 
in order to use those experiences to properly or to increase our ability to predict the future. And now as we do that, just like I'm walking right now, I, you know, I don't, can Noah walk yet? Not quite. So he doesn't know how to do what I'm doing right now. He doesn't know how to predict his body weight That's movement right. yes. and, and walk across the floor. That's all being done by my soul as it's predicting what's about to happen as I move my body weight from one side to another. That's how your soul works in every area. It's all about predicting the future. Now what has to happen is we, God shows up on the scene and God says, I've got a different future for you than the past you have experienced so far. What do you do then when all inside of your awareness, your perception of the world around you, and as you extend that perception into the future, your natural tendency is, my tomorrows are going to look like my yesterdays. What Abraham did here was Abraham was able to interrupt that human process he was going to engage in it and he was going to expect something different, a baby or wealth or riches or the ability for one man to, to, to rout uh, nations of kings. He'd never done that before. He was going to be able to expect to be victorious against the armies of other nations when he takes the guys from his household and goes to battle with them. He was going to be able to make money and become a very rich man in a world where that just wasn't possible if you weren't part of the established group that was in that area. They wouldn't trade with you. They wouldn't do anything with you. This wasn't the way it worked back then. He was able to expect, even though that's not how it works. He was able to get to the place a 100-year-old man with a, with a 90-year-old woman were able to make a baby. A baby they couldn't make when they were both 18. You see, what he was doing was he had to get hold of his soul. He had to be able to convince his mind that tomorrow was going to be radically different than yesterday. And so that's what we're visiting with here. We go a little further now to say, okay, what's the mechanics? What am I actually doing inside of my soul? How do I tweak the machine to be able to get the machine to honestly expect, not hope or wish, or I just wish it was like that, or, you know, in the sweet by, no, no. How do you actually get to the place where you are waking up tomorrow morning with such excitement because you know today is going to be a lot different than yesterday? How do you actually do that? And we can fake it. The whole world is about really faking it right now. You know, I don't know if you know it, but I look super slim and awesome right now until you kind of see me coming out of the shower. It don't look this good coming out of the shower. You got to tune it all up to get it to look this good. We're all about that. And so we've become convinced that because we've convinced ourselves that we're actually convinced. But you can't do that. What happens in our world is that when you have an honest expectation for what the world is going to look like tomorrow, the world, all of creation starts to lean toward the expectancy that is in your heart. People will say things like, well, you know, it's really your success is based on your education. Your success is based on uh, all of these other things. Well, it, it is, but the reason you got an education was because you expected to be successful in that field. 
If you didn't expect to be successful in that field, you'd never have got an education. You'd never have got out of bed in the morning if you didn't have an expectancy that something was going to happen or you were going to be able to do something valuable with your life. Everything that we experience in all of our lives is based on what we expect. It is what we expect that drives us forward to accomplish things. What Abraham did is we go, let's just have a, a drop back into, the, into here before I lose all of my time. And now it says here, it can't, you know, he, who hoped against hope. So it's saying that you have a natural hope that the world is going to continue to go along the way it has always gone along. Abraham interrupted that with a promise from God. You will be, you know, I, I, I'm exceeding, you're exceeding great reward. I am your shield. I'll make you a father of a multitude. All of these promises that were given to Abraham and then, you know, further outlaid in, later on through Moses' writings where he was able to understand what God was saying to him was that, that he had the right or ability to possess a life, to possess a future that was radically different than the, than the past that he had experienced. It was his ability then to get that expectancy, get that anticipation, get that, that, those pictures in his soul. It's that ability when he became more convinced about the pictures or the ideas or the concepts that his soul was creating based on the words of God than he was in the expectancy that his real life experiences, which are also now only pictures and ideas in his soul, he saw that, 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 that the scale tips. When the scale tips, all of a sudden, what God said, the promises of God, which is our pursuit for this year, how do we understand how to get the promises of God? Not just ideas and you know, quotes that we, scriptures that we can quote, but how do we get them actually operating in our lives? I've become so convinced, you know, I think Pastor Alex was preaching the other day, and no offense, the Holy Spirit talking to me while he's preaching. And he was talking to me about how we live life on multiple levels. You know, I, might, I live a family life, I live a personal life, I live it in my health of my physical body, my finances of my life. You see, you know, you know, all of those different areas that we can categorize our life into. And what happens to us when we do this in a natural way is that we will maybe focus, let's say, on my physical health. So I'm all, I'll spend all day in the gym and I'm, you know, doing all of these type of things. But then if I'm spending my whole day in the gym, I'm not tending to one of the other areas. My wife is wondering, you know, what, what my, have I got a girlfriend? What's going on with me that I'm gone all the time? And my relationship with her is going to suffer. So I'm going to prosper in one area at the expense of another area. Or I can focus on my finances and go, you know, go crazy trying to make money at the expense of I'm stressed out and I'm worn out and I'm, my physical body's falling apart on the inside. And yes, I've got this going on, but I'm all paying the price over here. And you'll, you know, I'll be rich and dead young. You know, that's not a win. That's how we do this when we have to do it as mere men. I've got a vision or a purpose or a destiny. I've got to get something done. But if I don't do it the right way, I, it ends up costing me more than what I receive from the victory that's in this one particular area. Does that make sense to you? What Abraham did then, what, the mechanical process that you go through in your soul, it's, and it, it outlines it for us right here. And being in verse 13, 
excuse me, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. And we, so we can define this then in, in, in easily rememberable concept as he considered not all the natural limitations, all the reasons that whatever he was believing for can't possibly come to pass. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, living in a math, science, logic world where we all grew up in, we are very sure that one plus one equals two. We're very sure that physical physics principles govern the world that we live in. All of those boundaries create in our soul a limitation. Now, I'm not telling you that one plus one isn't two in the natural world. Go ask your accountant. He's going to tell you one plus one is two. Or better still, two minus one is one. He's going to tell you that is an, that is an indisputable principle. It is an indisputable principle in the natural realm. It is not an indisputable principle in your soul. How many of you know how many times Wile E. Coyote died in that cartoon? Innumerable times. But every, that scene would change and he'd show up again. Well, that's impossible. You're right, but not in a cartoon. In a cartoon, you can jump off of any building you like. In a cartoon, you can be faster than a speeding bullet, right? You can leap tall buildings with a single bound. You can do all of these things in cartoons. And our mind is a place where we can play cartoons where the physical principles that govern the world around us are not limitations or boundaries inside of our mind. And this is where spiritual people have made a huge mistake. They have thought that natural principles, we can just ignore them. You cannot just ignore natural principles. You can't just run your credit card up and they're going to think that's okay. Still one plus one equals two. Actually, in the credit card, one plus one equals nine. But you can't ignore these principles. You can't ignore them. You have to become transcendent over them. It was like, you know, I was listening to that testimony uh, that, that they mentioned during the offering time. And I, I have a deep burden for Christians because Christians, we're training more and more people to care more about other people than they care about themselves. And so then they go through this long period of time where they're giving all of their money away. And the result of giving all of your money away is oftentimes you get bad credit. And I feel bad for that. And then they come into trying to figure things out and they can't get a home now. They can't get into the real estate market. They can't do these kind of things which are necessary for life because they haven't paid enough attention to themselves. Right. Do you know how that works? Yeah. And so, so many people are in that boat. They end up with a 250 uh, credit score and they're done. Oh, well, it's over. It's not over. Yeah. But you can't just expect that even though you lived an altruistic life where you cared more about other people, you just didn't bother with your own self, you cared, you're constantly aware of the needs around you and giving into those needs around you, you can't just then just go on, I guess God will take care of it. No, God will not take care of it for you. Selah. Right. <laughs> There's a ton of people out there that if God could take care of them, do you know how poor people are in Africa? 
Do you know how poor the third world, you, we have, if you've not been there, you have no idea. You have no idea. God wouldn't have anything to do in North America at all, ever, if it was based on needs. If it was based on, you know, all the things we think it's based on. You have to become, as it was in that story, where that person exercised their transcendency. I can get this credit score to go, I don't know what it, I don't know what it started with, I don't even know what it ended with, but let's say it went from 250 to 1200, there's no 1200, go, go 250 to 700, let's say. Well, you can't do that, that's not true. You can do that, but you can't do it by just la di dying and saying it's gonna work because you're such a good person. One, you're not. Two, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You have to exercise your transcendency. So I'm going to sh show you a little bit of a video. It's kind of a very cute, it's a little bit long, so we'll just cut it off when you hear me say enough is enough. I'm going to show you about a bunch of people 100 years ago who were trying to become transcendent in a particular area. How many of you know that gravity is a real force in this world that we deal with? How many of you are getting a little bit older in life and you say, yep, that is an indomitable force? I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> when they were trying to figure out how to get an airplane to fly, they couldn't just ignore gravity. A couple of the guys in this video actually tried to just ignore <laughs> gravity, and you'll see how that went for them. You cannot just ignore gravity. You can't, even though you have, there's nothing impossible to you, there are no limitations for you, that doesn't mean that you're, you're permitted then to ignore the reality of the world around you. This world runs by space, time, and matter. Those are real forces. Unless we become transcendent over those forces in a way that actually gives us the transcendency, we're going to be much like some of the people that you're about to meet. Understand that in order for us to be transcendent, what that means is we have to have something, a way that we overpower the world that is around us. We don't just get to overpower it like most Christians, I think, historically have thought, that just because I'm a Christian, God's going to be doing this for me. That's not how this worked, right? All through history of the Bible, God comes to a human being. He tells the human being, where do I want you to go? Where, what's the direction I want you to head in? Like Abraham, I want you to be the father of a multitude. I want an entire nation to come out of you. And what Abraham had to do is he had to be able to get hold of the soul. And even though all of these natural limitations were facing him, his soul gave him the ability to transcend those natural forces that, were, that he was facing. Except that we do that with our soul. No matter what impossible you would be facing today, what limitation you were facing, whether it's physical or financial, it's in your family, it's in your destiny, it's something you're trying to accomplish, it's a witty invention, it's whatever it is that you're trying to break through on, no matter what it is, the first place you have to break through is in your own mind, right. where you have to say, <clears throat> my future is going to look like whatever God said it's going to look like, it's not going to look like what it looked like yesterday. As if yesterday has some supernatural power over tomorrow. It doesn't. And this is where we have to change the way we think. Right? Normal, commonplace people 
think that the facts produce their expectancy. That makes us a slave of the facts, a slave of our experiences. Transcendent people believe that their experience or their expectation produces the facts. Now, the facts of my life are in my control. That as I take hold of what God says, if I believe what God says, the evidence that I believe what he says is that I actually expect it to appear in my future. And I become more and more and more and more confident as I continue on my soul's journey of becoming convinced that what God says is actually my future. What I thought about my future was just a a, a smokescreen of using my past and overlaying it on my future. I don't know if that's your future. You don't even know if that's your future. The only person who has a good gauge on your future is a guy who's already sitting in your future watching you be your future. So what we have to do is we have to let our soul be changed and transformed in order to allow it to become transcendent. If it just remains in that natural place of just expecting yesterday and my tomorrows, I'm not becoming transcendent at all. I'm just going to continue being a victim of the world around me just like I was yesterday. It's not until we seize hold of our God-given right as a child of God who's been given dominion over our world, it's not until I step into that realm that I even begin the journey of understanding how to do it. There is understandings. There are those guys needed to understand how do we become transcendent over gravity in our atmosphere. And they figured it out. But if they never thought they could, if they didn't see a bird fly and say, you can do this, it's just a matter of time before we figure out how, to exa- how actually to do it. When we take a look, and, and it's so important right now, you know, how the, because the Bible tells us, you know, there's going to be people who do miracles There's going to be people who do the most extraordinary of things. And when they get to heaven, God is going to say to them, I didn't know you. you Do you know that? That's not people who didn't do miracles. There are people who did do miracles. They did extraordinary supernatural things. Our world right now is doing, somebody, if you teleport someone from 200 years ago and pop him into the middle of the service, he's going to be freaked out. Because of what has happened, it's like, it literally, it's a miracle, uh, the, the things that we can do in our culture. A, a miracle. What has, what has not happened, though, is that we have not produced very many transcendent people. People, our world is figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, hard work, toil, hard work, toil, hard work, toil, hard work, toil. All, billions and trillions and trillions of dollars to develop the cell phone that is in your pocket right now. That's how we've done it. That wasn't God's expectancy on how to do it. Although the only reason those people could do it was because they expected that they could. Right. Otherwise they'd never have spent that. You want to write a check for a billion dollars? You, if you're going to write a check for a billion dollars, you're doing so because you have an expectancy of making a return on that. Right. Everybody does that. What we have to realize is that with God, we have the ability to do things. I'll try to share it with you today. We have the ability to do things that mere men, natural, commonplace people do not have the ability to do. 
Common people have the ability to take a little step forward from where they were yesterday. The kingdom people are, being, are able to, uh, to actually believe that what you have conjured up inside of your mind is actually true. Not just true, I'm sure hoping so. I'm going to try my hardest. I'll do my very best. I'll collect as much time and energy as I can. That's how the world does it, and they do it incrementally. The, the key of the kingdom is that we have the truth of the word of God that is undergirding our expectancy. God did not say that, you, that he would heal you in that sense, that it was going to be a divine work that he'll just keep you alive for all eternity. He said that the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you is quickening, making alive your mortal body. The way the Spirit of God does that is he's transforming your understanding of the truth of who you are and how your body actually functions. Can I tell you something? Tina was talking about it the other day. Did you know that your cells, the cells in your body, now talk about that this is the minuscule cell inside of your body. It has an expectancy uh, inside of it. That if you, for example, if you come in contact with something that's bad, let's say mold, your cells in your body realize that's bad because you felt sick or you did something like that after you come in contact with the mold. From now on, even if you get near mold, your body, the cells in your body are going to start freaking out. Even though it's 20 years later and the cells that were there when you experienced the mold, you're already gone. You're a new person. I don't know if you knew this. Every seven years, every cell in your body has been replaced every seven years. The cells in your body today aren't even the same cells that you had when you experienced the mold, let's say. Your cells pass on their expectancy to their children. (laughs) Everything in all of creation operates by expectancy and the trauma the emotional experiences of the past in your cells your cells have memory and they pass that memory on to their children you see everything in God works exactly the same what we have to simply do is in that situation retrain ourselves that we're not afraid but we have to retrain our soul to realize we can rise above the experiences of the past and become transcendent. This, this, is, how, this is how Paul says it. Uh, Paul says it once and then Jesus another time. At that time, we were talking about before we were with, with, with Jesus. At that time, we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. That's what we're talking about here the, for the year. Having no hope without God in this world. The key to being with God is that we have the ability to have this thing, this real thing called hope, an expectation of the future that is something different than what I experienced in the past. Jesus says like this, Jesus looking upon them says, with men, it is impossible. With a mere person, a mere human being, you come against boundaries in your life and it is actually impossible for you to get to the other side of that boundary but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. How many of you say, yeah, I'm with God. 
You see, if you say you're with God, then nothing is impossible with you. Not because God's gonna shazam your, 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 your obstacle, but because when you are with God, you have the real hope. On the, you can build it, you don't just get it. You can build a real expectation so that what you see in your mind is more real than what you see in your life. When you can, and this is what Abraham did. He had a real life full of tra tra trauma and challenges and issues. And he had all of that just like we do. But he was able to get a hold of that in his soul and say, I'm just not paying any attention to that anymore. I'm going to start paying attention to the world that God said is my possession. Yeah. It's already mine. And when he let that happen inside of his soul, he became transcendent over his physical body, transcendent over the limitations that had been plaguing him all of his life. So what's, what's blocking it? So we've already covered this. Past experiences, but those past experiences are imaginary prisons to our mind. Imaginary. They're not real. But we treat them as though they are real. These are emotions that are attached to these experiences, they are our connection point back to the actual experience. Now remember, we talked about this last time I was here, 50% of your memories of the past are fake. You made them up. Realizing then that I only remember the emotionally high points of my history. Everything else I fill in because I've told the story too many times. It didn't really happen, but I'm convinced it did happen. What do we do then if these memories are so powerful that they push themselves into my imagination of my soul today when I am thinking about tomorrow? What do I do? One, you cannot forget them. You just need to focus on that. A lot of what people teach nowadays is just don't worry about your past experiences, just move forward, everything is gonna be okay. That's gonna work for two to 3% of the population, particularly those people who have seriously bad memories. <laughs> Do not try to just go forward. If you try to go forward, you're going to create, you're going to step out into the plan of God, which is a place that is very fearful for your soul. Because it already knows if I do that again, last time I did that, I fell down and got embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was hurt. I was abandoned. I was betrayed. You, your soul knows it. Now you can, through your willpower, which is mostly what the world does with this principle. You just use your willpower to keep on going forward. But can I tell you something? You're going into a land of highly charged stress because you cannot forget any of the experience of, even if your cognitive memory, your actual active memory doesn't remember them anymore, your subconscious remembers everything. Yeah. Your subconscious has the ability to remember six million years of life. That's how much storage space you have for memories. Don't think you're going to get anywhere near forgetting anything in your life. 
Number two, <clears throat> you can dull them. We have lots of drugs. We have lots of treatments. We have a lot of, we, <clears throat> we can use a lot of discipline. You know, I don't know how those Chinese, those uh, uh, martial arts people fight with sticks and hit each other with sticks. But you know how they do it. They just hit each other so often that they lose all of the nerve endings in that area. So they whack each other in the shins, but it doesn't hurt them. There's treatments like that to deal with your emotions. I heard about one guy who is going out and getting rejected as many times as he possibly can until he doesn't feel the emotion of rejection anymore. That sounds like it makes sense, right? The problem is an emotion is an emotion, whether it's positive or negative. Happy and sad are the same emotion. It's all serotonin. Lots is happy, little is sad. In the middle, ho-hum. If you get rid of sad, you also get rid of happy. And that's what we've been doing in our culture. We've been medicating all of these negative emotions, not realizing that all we are producing is numb people who don't feel emotions on either side of the equation. So two, you can't, don't do that. Don't numb your emotions. When you get to be 40 or 50 years old, now you try to turn them back on again. That's not real, that's not super easy to do. Because you're trying to feel life. You're just trying to feel like you're even alive. You're not just a machine going through the motions. If all <clears throat> we've done is use all of these techniques of drugs or disciplines or therapies and all of these type of things in order to stop the negative emotion. Frontal lobotomies were developed for that, that reason, to get rid of all the negative emotions. How do you know coming back from a frontal lobotomy, that needs a miracle right there. The only way to do it that I have discovered so far <clears throat> is how the scriptures tell us to deal with these things. You cannot forget the memory, but you can change the memory. If you ask the Holy Spirit, let me, tell, let me explain something to you about the way we experience negative emotions, negative experiences. When a negative experience is presented to us, and we experience pain, abandonment, insecurity, embarrassment, uh, humiliation, all of these really negative things, in the moment of that happening, we become, if we're, we were selfish going into the experience, when you are in the experience, your selfishness multiplies exponentially because now you feel like you are being threatened. It's just like if I, if I, blew a if I shot a gun off in here. You all love each other until the bullets are flying. Once you all know there's three exits to this building, let me tell you, every one of those, you'd be killing each other to get out the door. You, not because you're bad people, but because the negative focus of that gunshot, you just lose all your senses. And you come afterwards, you say, did you know that you stepped on Tim's head? And you're going, I never stepped on Tim's head. That never happened. No, I got your footprint on the side of his head. I never did that. I never did that. I would never do that. When you get back to your sense mind, you'd say, I never did that. That's what's happening in all the negative experiences. You think you have a completely accurate account of all of those negative experiences in your past. 
you don't. Ask the Holy Spirit to go, not go by yourself. Don't go back to that negative stuff by yourself. You already did it by your onesie the last time, and it didn't turn out real well. If you go back with the Holy Spirit, and you say, Holy Spirit, tell me what's really going on here. Because Tim would say, Ian hates me. He stepped on my head. And then the Holy Spirit would show him, no, no, he just didn't see you. He was very focused, being very selfish and self-absorbed at that moment, and he inadvertently stepped on your head. And then you say, Holy Spirit, show me where I stepped on somebody's head when I was being selfish and self. And when he shows you that, you go, oh, I get it. What's happened, this is what's important. What's happened to the memory? It's the same memory. But your perception of that memory is no longer negative. Particularly when you say, God, how come... How come uh, they shot a bullet off in church? God said, it didn't hit you, did it? I was the guy, God speaking, that protected you from that bullet. Tim is saying, well, you didn't, you didn't stop Pastor Ian from stepping on my head. He says, yeah, but I stopped it from gushing your brain out your ear. Right? That changes the situation completely. When I can see what it was that God was doing as he was protecting me in that moment. I did not see that at all the first time I went through it. Because my adrenaline, my emotions, my feelings that I was going to get hurt, my fear, my whatever, completely blinded me. And I became singular focused on the door. And if you were in the way between me and the door, sorry, I did not even see you. And our memory was wrong. Now what I can do is I can begin to relive those. Not only am I not defeated by the memory, expecting that next time a bullet, I'm going to make sure that I'm the guy with the bigger gun next time. We don't have to do it like that. What I know from my last experience was, hey, God protected me from the bullet last time. He'll protect me this time and more so. God protected my brain from running out my ear last time. So he'll protect me this time. That, you know, that's I even dashed my foot against a stone. That's what now a negative experience of my past that used to create a limitation, a fear, a boundary, an insecurity, a negative, an anticipation of a negative emotion or experience now does exactly the opposite. Because I saw it properly, now it makes me transcendent. Because if God helped me last time, he's always with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never fail me. Now, when I face whatever it is that I face today, no matter how much it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how big the bomb is, doesn't matter. Because I am in my own mind, I am transcendent. I am with God. And if I am with God, nothing is impossible with me. And it's a simple experience. I just have to take the Holy Spirit, enter into that time, even if it's right now, say, Lord Jesus or Holy Spirit, why do I think I'm going to run out of money? Why do I think I'm going to run out of time? Why do I think I'm going to run out of ideas? Why do I think I'm going to run out of, you know, nobody's going to love me anymore? Why do I think that people are going to abandon me? Why do I think they're going to betray me? Say, so take me back to when I learned that that's what I should expect. Because you don't know if they're going to do it or not. But your anticipation is that they're going to. You have to just say, Holy Spirit, why? 
Why don't I just expect that just like I had more than enough today that I'll have more than enough tomorrow? Why don't I expect just because, because I'm safe now, I'll be safe tomorrow? Why don't I think that because people love me today, they'll still love me tomorrow? Why don't I automatically think that? I don't because of these experiences that are hidden in my background that I haven't dealt with yet. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I know you're the key to all of this because you live on the inside of me. I know I can see the truth in every situation. All I need to do is listen to you as you describe what really happened in my life and why. And I know from there, you're going to show me the truth. You're going to show me how that truth can remove limitations, can remove boundaries, can remove everything impossible between me and my destiny. I know you'll show me things to come. All I need to do is believe you instead of believing the experiences of my past. I'm committed to it. I declare today, I will achieve my destiny. It's just as much my possession as today is. And I'll have it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good.